Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. about you, but this series in Galatians is sorting me out. So It's sorting me out. It's bringing truth. It's bringing life. And I want to jump straight in. I don't want to mess around. I want to jump to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, if that's all right. We've got it on the screen. I'm going to read it and then jump into a few points tonight. And I, I pray, I pray that God would bring freedom tonight. Freedom to hearts. Freedom to lives. Freedom to minds. To some of our thinking tonight. And here's the scripture from Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are, you are trying to be justified by the law, have been, you who are trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await, by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cuts in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for the agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Say emasculate. No, you don't have to say it. I was just joking. If you don't know what that means, ask someone next to you. And, um, but um, this guy's really passionate, and he's talking about a big issue and kicks off with verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we've got to understand all of theology and all of the gospel is contextual and it is processed in a world on a context. In our world, freedom seems to have a context. It's a big, big issue. We are born with this burning desire for greater freedom in every area. We were always wanting to shrug it off. I go on holiday with my boys. They're not used to the, to the riptides and everything on the Natal coastline. And everything inside of them is just wanting to go that one meter further. If I just go one meter further, one, and they're looking at me, they're like, it's like they are burdened with the desire to keep pushing the boundaries in every area. But in our world, in much of the Western world, freedom looks like something, and it looks like this. It looks like something where it's, it's being able to do what I want to do, it when I want to do it, how I want to do it, in the way I want to do it. No one gets to have an opinion, and I don't really want the consequences. That's what freedom looks like. So if you're a motorbike, it looks like 200 k's an hour on a 60 zone. There we go. If you're a money guy and money's your thing, it's I want freedom financially at all costs. I will chase any idol. I will do anything I need to do to get that thing because I'm fighting for freedom. There is a fight in man for freedom. It was put in there from the start and the fight for freedom is not a bad thing. 
And it looks like a bunch of things. It looks financial freedom. I don't want to rely on a system. I don't want to be like my parents who worked off a bond. I want to be free. I want to shake all that stuff. I want relational freedom. So it's sex without strings. And it's a whole bunch of other realities that break into relational dynamics because we have a concept of freedom that I believe is not biblical. That's what I'm going to present tonight. Then we have other freedoms. It's time. I, I don't want to work a job. I'd really love a job. I'm going to put my CV out there. I want a job where I work from 9 to 11.30. I want that job. I want freedom in my time. I'm happy to come back from 3 to 4. But, but I mean, that's the world we live in. People are fighting, and they're paying prices for these things, and they're fighting for these freedoms. And, and I want to say there's a big freedom, and it's called the freedom of opinion. It's America tells me I plead the fifth. I can say what I want. I've got freedom of expression. I've got freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want. I have freedom of my opinion. That's the world we live in. We don't have to take consequences for it. We don't have to face up to it, although social media people are getting caught up to pretty quickly these days. But that's the world we live in. And I want to say to you that, that the spearhead of this is the world would see the land of the free America where people are fighting for this self-individual autonomy and self-definition. Is it paying off? With greater levels of loneliness and a crisis of loneliness and a crisis of alienation as people are more alienated at every level in the pursuit of something called freedom. Paul writes into this context. He says, actually, freedom is important. It's a big thing. And he says, basically, freedom is what Jesus came to accomplish. It's what Jesus gave us. But it's a different version of freedom to what much of the world thinks freedom is about. Freedom is take the chains off me, take the limitations off me. I want to be free. There's a song like that. I'm not going to sing it now. No, no, no. Trust me. You don't want me to sing it. It's been a long day. But, um, but Christian freedom is about what Jesus has done for us and what he gave to us. That's it. Christian freedom is Jesus. It's not a commodity we trade in this life. It's a person we pursue. It's that relationship that fills our lungs, our lives, our every part of it. So it's a big thing, and Paul is fighting for this, and he says, mark my words. He is so passionate about this fight, and he brings up the circumcision issue, which we'll talk about now, but he lands in this thing. He says, actually, those guys that are preaching this thing to you that will pull you away from freedom, those guys should just go and do the whole thing. They should just go the full Monty. It's a radical statement. He's not trying to be radical. He didn't get points for being radical. He's fighting as a father for the freedom of those who are being pulled into captivity again. See, the challenge for us when we use a word like freedom is we don't fully understand slavery. We don't live in in our world as we are so aware that, that slavery is not obvious to us. Slaves aren't traded in the commodities that they were back in the day when this context was. They understood freedom because they would walk past people all the time who would be whipped and beaten and traded as commodities. Their ancestors and those, those generations before them would have come out of areas of, of, of slavery and no real-life stories of people who'd been in chains. They understood the concepts of slavery, so freedom was a big issue. Freedom now has become this big fight in everyone's language, but the challenge is we don't fully understand the bondage that we are in. And Paul writes into this and keeps writing to us, and he's challenging and, and he goes and he gets a little angry. He, he says, you were running a good race. You were running a good race. You were doing well. You were on track to finish the race strong. And someone cut in on you. He says, who cut in on you? He's fighting for the freedom. And he says, this persuasion is not from him. It's not from Jesus. 
Jesus isn't the one that brought that, this to you. He says, actually, I want to tell you, those guys are not fighting for your freedom. They're putting you back in chains. And he brings up this issue. How does he go from freedom, this big concept, to circumcision? It's like big, and it seems like such a small issue. And it was a big issue in their day. And circumcision it was, is not the issue. Some people think, well, maybe Paul was a little over-circumcision. He'd had a bad experience. He, he, his one wasn't so good, not very pleasant, had some nightmares, all of that kind of stuff. Or maybe it just gone out of fashion. Maybe like circumcision, just not in fashion at this time, so why do it? No, those weren't really the issues here. It was very much a cultural norm that people were saying, actually, it's completely Jesus plus circumcision. If we just add this one thing, just allow us to add this one cultural objective, this one cultural reality, if we just plug that with Jesus, then we're really happy. And Paul is saying, no, if you take Jesus plus anything, and in this bracket they put circumcision because that was their reality, Jesus plus anything equals no gospel at all, no freedom at all, back in chains. Circumcision is not the issue, and we know that because Paul himself in Acts 16 takes Timothy and says, for the gospel, you should be circumcised. It was a rough day for Timothy, but good for the gospel. And um, so he's not anti-circumcision. Please understand this. When we process this book and we process something like circumcision, we have to understand circumcision could be anything. Anything. That would add itself to the gospel. Any outward act or presentation that we would take that we think helps or enables us and allows God and we would be adding to what Jesus has done. And I've used this example many times, but it's the, it's, it's, it's the challenges. We teach people this. People get saved and they don't know what to do. They've never encountered the gospel. They've never encountered the words. You say, actually, what you must do is you must get up every morning, because that's what I do. I get up every, no, not me, I'm, this is context. Every morning, six o'clock, you must be praying and in your word for an hour. And then you're going to grow. You're going to grow. And now, please understand me, getting up at 6 o'clock every morning is good for you. Some of you are like, liar, I'm leaving this church. No, it is good for you to have rhythms, and it is good for you to have disciplines. It's good for you. And then to get up and give your first attention to Jesus and His Word, it is very good for you. Very, very good for you. But if you are doing that to please Jesus in some kind of way, if you are doing that because you think if you don't do that, Jesus is not going to pour out his favor on your life. You're not going to get that job. You're not going to get that boyfriend you want. You're not going to step into more of what Jesus I'm telling you, that thing that is potentially good for you is not bringing life. It is putting you back in chains. I really am spitting a lot tonight. I apologize. You guys are just going to have to grin and bear it. Is that all right? Does that make sense? Circumcision wasn't the issue. It never was the issue. The issue is the hearts of man. And there's a fight for the hearts of man in everything, guys. Everything. The challenges, the parameters of this doesn't extend to just circumcision. It is anything that would grip the hearts of man. Even good things that God gives. And he speaks into this and he, he challenges, he says, it's Jesus plus nothing. See, Christian freedom is not some, you can't take a hybrid of world freedom. I want no authority in my life. I want to follow none of the rules, but I want the fullness of Jesus in my life. So I'm going to live a chaotic life, and I'm going to have the fullness of the freedom of Jesus in my life. No, it doesn't work like that. And I want to explain that to you. He carries on, Ben, 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 Ben. <laughs> ben, look at me. Quiet. Okay. It is for freedom that Christ has set me free, set us free. Stand firm then. 
What is this freedom he's speaking about? I want to give you four things that, that God has called us to have freedom from. But then I want to give you one thing he's called us to have freedom for. And I think it's the best. The first thing he's given us freedom from is freedom from this concept and this idea. It's all about me. It's what I do and I can do. Here's the thing. Justification says this. It's got nothing to do with what I can do. Every other religion is start here, live a life-pleasing whoever, Allah, whoever, whatever God you want to present. Work a life working really, really hard to please your God. And maybe one day in heaven or Valhalla or whatever you're talking about, you will have eternity with your God and you'll be blessed by your God. Christianity says, start here and on day one of receiving the grace and the love of God, you receive it all. It's called justification. You are completely washed clean. The grace of God enters your story. It doesn't matter where you've been. And he washes you clean and you are established in his love, never to be ripped out of that place. But the challenge is we have to stand firm in that love, stand firm in that grace and believe it. Our challenge isn't believing what will be done. Our challenge as believers to stay believing what has been done. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. Because we forget there's an enemy. There's an enemy. He wants your heart. And if he can get your heart in chains, he's winning. That's the reality. And freedom from, well, it's all about me, is basically this. It's when everything rests on us and our ability rather than completely on what Jesus has done. My salvation has got nothing to do with how many times I preach or how many hours I put in prep or whatever. My salvation and my spending eternity with Jesus has everything to do with Jesus and nothing to do with me. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he continues, he says, well, actually, the second great freedom is we have freedom from being ruled by sin. It's a radical thing. And, and it carries on in Galatians 6, Romans 6, verse 17 and 18. As you can see, I'm quite excited by this. Is that okay? Yeah. This is such good news. When we get it, it sets us free to live. Romans 6, verse 17 and 18. But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Oh, so I'm still a slave. Yeah, we're still a slave, but we're a slave to righteousness. We are free. What does this mean? And I used this example at, at, at Milneton this morning and not at table, but I want to use it again. What does this look like to be free from slavery to sin? Because it doesn't mean we no longer sin. It doesn't mean we are perfect. It means we are a journey to be like Jesus and we're going to slip up along the way, but I'm not mastered by sin. And it's this real, and some of you might get challenged. I have a brother-in-law who for eight years walked in a homosexual lifestyle. Completely. He went big. It nearly destroyed every area from chaos and finances to ending up wanting to kill himself. And the only reason we found where he was was a tracker in a car that saved his life. And then something happened four years ago. He encountered the love of Jesus in the most radical, beautiful way. And for four years, he has pursued Jesus. He has not been in a homosexual lifestyle. He has fought a whole bunch of stuff. And here's the challenge. One day I'm sitting with him. I said, talk to me. What are your struggles? He says, no, I still struggle with same-sex attraction. I still struggle at times. But here's the thing. It doesn't control me. I don't find myself doing things I don't want to do. I'm not pulled down avenues, and I have no reason or understanding of how I got there. I'm not mastered by that desire. 
because I'm surrendered to the love of Jesus. And he has made a decision in his life, and I would love to get him here at some stage to speak as he is finding a voice in his story. But he has found his passion. He said, actually, if I live a celibate life for the next 40, 50, 60 years, whatever he has, I'm satisfied in the love of Jesus. That's what freedom looks like. Freedom looks like I'm captivated, I'm so full up, and I'm so captivated by Jesus, nothing else matters. And I'm not pulled left or right to a story that's going to pull me into chaos. Freed from being mastered or slaves to sin. The third freedom is freedom from spiritual bondage. In verse 6 it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. We've got to see that it's got no value. And yet, why the big fight? Because he continues, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Rather than our focus being on what we do, Christian freedom is more about what he does. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. What does this mean? Well, it means we can shake off this low-level guilt that a lot of Christians live with all the time. Oh, Jesus has freed me. Why did I do that thing I didn't want to do? Anyone else? Or was it just me? I, and I told this story. Rory Dyer ministered a while ago as a teenager going to church. I used to love Jesus, and I really loved some of the other young teenage ladies at church. So I had, I just, it was like a well, two birds with one stone kind of thing for me. <laughs> just, it was just that. And um, in my head. But I knew that big guy, he's, he, Jesus had his map. And if I went close to him, he would see my heart. He would start seeing. So I used to avoid him like the plague. He'd go that side of the hall, I'd go this side, I'd stay away. Why? Because I lived at some level of low-level guilt that I was wrapped up and I was really dirty and I was really broken. And I hadn't fully accepted the complete work that Jesus had already done, which doesn't mean I run wild and rampant. No, I live to please him. I'm going I'm to share that now. But I'm freed up from this low-level spiritual bondage. If the enemy can keep me there, he keeps me really, really small and not living in the fullness of the gospel that he's called me to live. He's freed me from a false spiritual, uh, spiritual bondage and to live spiritually free. And the last one is a fight in this world. It's a freedom, again, freedom from the fight against authority. Make sense? Freedom from the fight against authority. What am I saying? Freedom can be, and, and this is what I would present, freedom can only be found and maintained by submission to proper authority. Proper authority. Even the freedom fighters know that. They never take a nation and said, we're going to have no government. No, they put governments in place because they understand that authority. And the Bible says where his government is and rests on his shoulder, there will be prince of peace. That's Jesus. So we understand this and we have to allow that to come into our story because the greatest lie that this generation is believing is I am in control of my own story. Now the gospel says you're not. You were created for a purpose to walk in communion with the King of Kings. You have a purpose and a plan poured out over your life from the creator of the universe. But how does that work itself out? And Tim Keller put it so well. I'd love to read just what he said to you. He said this, whatever we live for has control over us. Just stop there. Live for your kids, they'll have control over you. Seriously. Seriously. Live for money, it'll have control over you. Live for 
a six-pack. It'll have control over you. I gave up on that one a long time ago. Live for, live, live for materialism. It'll have control. Live for relationships just to be loved. It will have control over you. It will master you. We do not control ourselves. The things we live for enslave us with guilt if we fail to attain them. Or anger if someone blocks them from us. Or fear if they are threatened. Or drivenness since we must have them. Or despair if we ever lose them completely. We have to live for something. And something will control us. What will, what will we do then? There is one master, however, who can forgive. None of the others ever will. And one who will last, none of the rest ever can. Neither failure on our part nor the circumstances of life can separate us from him. Thus, only in the service of him will we find freedom. Freedom is not tossing off any authority in my life. Freedom is just having the right authority in my life. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, and his word and his ways upon my heart brings freedom into my story. I'm telling you, in every area, that is the gospel. Here's the truth that I believe it is because freedom and true freedom is where we are who we're meant to be. Not some self-autonomous, self-defining individuals fighting for a rampant radical freedom. No, I'm meant to be under the authority of God in community. I'd worked as the Bible lays it out with friends who can speak into my life and authority realities in my life. So the Bible keeps saying, honor your parents, honor your parents, because there's authority structures that God gave. We aren't of those who kick out. No, actually, we're not submitting to this government. I'm just telling you, don't get a choice. The Bible doesn't give you an option. Christianity submitted to government or Christianity not. You don't get one. He just says, live it out. So we live like Nehemiah and, and we, we pioneer, we bring the kingdom of God and we build his kingdom in the midst of all of it. That's how the kingdom of God comes. And as believers, we no longer fear the law's penalty. We are set free to pursue with thankful hearts Jesus. So those four things, can we pop those up again, please? We are free from the idea that it's all about me. We are free from the idea that, that I'm being ruled by my sin. We are free from spiritual bonding and we're free from the fight against authority. Well, then how do we become enslaved like Paul is talking about? Well, it's quite simply, we give it and we put those chains back on. It's like a slave walking back into the, 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 the cave that he's been locked up in for years, putting those chains back on and saying, I'm in. He says there, he says, do not let yourselves be enslaved again. We have a measure of authority. We have a measure of control in this process. He says, don't let it happen. And I want to jump because there's somewhere else in the word of God where it says, stand firm. As the command is here, it's in Exodus 14. And the Israelites have just been freed from slavery. From slavery, they were whipped and beaten and worked like dogs. And they killed children were killed at whim. They had no rights and no authority. And they get liberated from that. And they go on this journey and all of a sudden the, en the enemy says, and Pharaoh says, I want those guys back. The enemy will keep coming after us. Yesterday's freedom is yesterday's freedom. I've got to live in today's freedom. Does that make sense? Because the enemy keeps coming. He never stops coming. And so we go on this journey and all of a sudden it says they look up 
And they get fearful and say, let us go back. We never wanted to leave slavery. We never wanted to leave. And Moses speaks. And I, I love this. You know what's amazing about this? It doesn't say God told Moses what to say. Moses had just encountered the king of kings. And God had revealed himself to Moses. And Moses just speaks. And he says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Right there, justification. Justification is me being still and trusting Jesus. It's the hardest thing. It's where believing starts and ends. Do I believe the gospel? And he writes to him, he says, stand firm, because they're swaying and they want to go back to, to, to their old ways. He says, don't be afraid. Right now, economic tough times, don't be afraid. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Don't be afraid. Worried about po politics? Don't be afraid. Stand firm in the love and the permanence and the, and, the, and the complete commitment of Jesus to his people. Continue to stand there. And it carries on. But what I want to share here is because often our greatest freedom is what we have been freed from. And it's addiction, anxiety, depression, prejudice. But I want to tell you the greatest thing that sets us up for breakthrough is not what we've been freed from. I need a little swig of water. See, I can be freed from a million things. But if I keep my eyes on what I'm freed from, I'll end up there again. If all I ever talk about is what I'm freed from, I promise you I'm on my way back there. I'm freed from something so that I can be for, freed for something. I'm freed for Jesus. To walk in relationship with the King of Kings. I'm set apart to worship Him. And here's the amazing thing. Just before the people were established, God said, I want you to set my people free. God tells Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh. And he says this, let my people go. So they can worship me. What an amazing scripture. The problem is that's not the whole scripture. That's the only one the Christians like to speak about. Let my people go so they can worship me in the desert. In the wilderness. Whoa, hang on, dude. No, no, no. Why? Because where all else is stripped away. And all I have to rely on is the king of kings who brings manna from heaven. Who brings water from rocks. I'm totally and utterly exposed. In that place, I'm completely liberated to do what? I'm free to worship Him. To give Him praise, to be captivated by Him. To give Him my breath, my lungs, my everything. Not some outward expression like, 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 like circumcision. To give Him more than that. The most I could ever give. My heart in worship. I can be freed from a million things, but unless I realize what I'm freed for and freed to, I'll never walk in it. And I'll never step into it. But when I get it, I'm more free than any person with billions in the bank could ever be. Unless they've encountered that same freedom. You know, Christians are always like, ah, oh, he doesn't know Jesus. And then you meet the billionaire who does. You're like, ah, oh, love that guy. <laughs> love that guy. But we have the opportunity and possibility to worship a whole bunch of other things. But here's the thing. Every day, 
When I choose freedom, it's choosing Jesus every day, over and over again, every day in every circumstance. At the top of the mountains of our lives and the bottom of my lives, I want a Christianity that works. At the top of the mountains of my life, when promotion is in my life, when increase is in my life and the seasons are good, I want a Christianity that works there. I also really need a Christianity that works in the valleys of my life. When there is no money in the bank and opportunities aren't coming and it seems like everything, I need a Christianity, I need a gospel that frees me to worship Him in that place. And I'm telling you, let my people go to, so they may worship me in the wilderness. Why? Because worship is expressed first and foremost when we feel like we're in the wilderness. It's an incredible, incredible thing. And I want to tell you one scripture and I want to give you a definition, my definition of freedom and then we're done from Ephesians chapter 3. Is that all right? And Paul is writing. And I want to give, because the cry of man is I want freedom. I want to do it my way or the highway. I want it my way. I want it my time. I want it my ability. I just want it. Here's the scripture I want to give you, and we're done. It says in verse whatever it is, And I will ask him that with both feet firmly planted, stand firm, on love, you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Here's the definition. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, His Spirit deeply and gently within us, Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all generations. Glory to all millennial. Oh, yes. I think that's the definition of freedom. I get to live in the space where I get to stretch in His love, His width, His length, His height, the depths. I get to pursue Him. And in all that space, there is more space than I could any ever possibly imagine. When I allow his authority to break in over my life and pour out his freedom. Freedom is not a commodity we trade or something to be celebrated. I only celebrate the freedom I found in Jesus. And that brings life. Can we pray? God, I pray tonight. For every heart here. Even as I've preached the same text a few times now, Lord, I find myself, and I find you, Holy Spirit, revealing areas that, that would pop up that say, actually, that little thing you do, that you hold on to and you think somehow draws you closer to God, that little thing, no, no, you're lying to yourself. It's only Jesus. That little righteous act, that little coin you give to a beggar because you feel like the Bible said give to the poor so you do it out of some religious obligation no you were never meant to do any single thing out of religious obligation you are just set free to worship him and I pray that truth would captivate our hearts and bring liberty and freedom to every heart every mind and every soul and I thank you Jesus for your love and your grace that you continue to pour out on us day and night and when we wake up feeling top of the mountains, you are there. And when we wake up feeling like, I'm not sure we can pull off this day, you are there. And we thank you for that, Jesus.